Welcome to The Commentaries, a podcast series from TAN in which you'll learn how to read and understand history's greatest Catholic works from today's greatest Catholic scholars. In every series of The Commentaries, your expert host will be your personal guide to not just read the book, but to live the book, shining the light of its eternal truths into our modern darkness. Visit TANCommentaries.com to get your copy of the book and to subscribe for access to all the great reading plans, new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive deals for listeners of the commentaries. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the commentary series on the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. I'm Sister Mary Madeline Todd, a Dominican sister of the Congregation of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee. Today is the second day of our series, and we're going to be looking at a part of the section of the book called A Treatise of Divine Providence. We'll be looking at and discussing the subsections beginning with the one that is called How a Soul Elevated by Desire for the Honor of God and we'll be continuing through the subsection on how very pleasing to God is the willing desire to suffer for Him in the Tan edition of the book. As we walk through this series, we want to immerse ourselves in prayer, and we will be using the prayer that St. Catherine herself wrote. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Eternal God, Eternal Trinity, You have made the blood of Christ so precious through his sharing in your divine nature. You are a mystery as deep as the sea. The more I search, the more I find. And the more I find, the more I search for you. But I can never be satisfied. What I receive will ever leave me desiring more. When you fill my soul, I have an ever greater hunger, and I grow more famished for your light. I desire above all to see you, the true light, as you really are. Amen. Last time in our first episode, we were introduced to St. Catherine herself, who said that her nature was fire, and who recorded the dialogue as her conversation with God in prayer. Today, we will begin to unpack that conversation in depth as Catherine opens the section on divine providence. The subtitle that opens this section is rather long, but it is important in every detail. The subsection is called, How a Soul Elevated by Desire of the Honor of God and the Salvation of Her Neighbors, Exercising Herself in Humble Prayer, after she had seen the union of the soul through love with God, asked of God for requests. When we look at the first part of that long title, we see it says, how a soul elevated by desire of the honor of God and the salvation of her neighbors. St. Catherine was a member of the order of preachers, popularly called the Dominicans. And A staple of Dominican spirituality is that the order itself was founded for the twofold purpose of seeking the glory of God 
and for preaching for the salvation of souls. St. Catherine grew up in a Dominican parish in Siena, constantly formed by the preaching of the friars, and it was deeply part of her soul that she was always thirsting for the glory of God and always willing to labor for the salvation of her neighbor. She did this, looking at the second part of the title of this section, by exercising herself in humble prayer. St. Catherine knew that the foundation of all prayer was humility. Sometimes we think of humility as kind of a, a self-effacement or a lower estimation of self, but for Catherine, what humility is, and this was formed very much in the teaching and preaching of the friars, is a virtue that shows us truth. The truth of who God is and His infinite goodness and majesty, and a truth of who we are. That really as creatures, we are nothing apart from God, but as we become one with God in a unity of love, we have the potential to enter into the infinity of divine goodness and divine love and divine power. Thirdly, she says in this section, after she had seen the union of the soul through love with God and therefore asked of God for requests, it seems that Catherine in prayer was literally given a glimpse, a vision, of how beautiful a soul is when it is one with God in love. And that beauty captivated her. Because she was so aware of what we could become if we were one with God in love, it gave Catherine a kind of holy audacity. It inspired her to beg from God grace that led to a fourfold petition. She begged of God grace for herself she knew that if she was going to labor for the glory of God and the salvation of souls, she had to herself become one with God and remove all the obstacles to unity with God in herself. She also secondly asked for the reform of the church. Catherine lived in a time not so different from our own, when the failings of the leaders and members of the church were obvious. You know, even if you look back to scripture, you see the apostles themselves were very marked by their human frailties, and yet that never led Catherine to turn away from the church, but only to immerse herself ever more in prayer for the church. She thoroughly begs God for good for the entire world, especially for those who are in leadership in the world. And fourthly and finally, she asks God especially to grant peace and reconciliation to Christians who rebelled against the church. There were a lot of factions in the church of her day, again, not unlike the church of today. And she saw that many turned themselves against the church and she prayed especially for them. Right from the beginning of this opening section of the dialogue, Catherine introduces some of the elements that will form her thinking and her prayer. She says that when a soul is motivated by the desire for the glory of God and the salvation of souls, she begins by exercising herself in virtue. In Dominican spirituality and theology, virtue is absolutely central, not as something that we can do of ourselves, not as a kind of self-improvement plan, but as a divine gift and something that we cooperate by our own freedom. The three theological virtues given in our baptism, the virtues of faith, hope, and charity, 
are central and the highest and greatest of the virtues. And these are the foundations for the various moral virtues by which we live our daily lives. And we'll see in, this, in the next section after this one, a real unpacking of virtue and how we grow in virtue. Catherine notes that we should always be striving to receive ever more perfectly God's gift of virtue. And that one of the principal ways we do that is by something that Catherine unpacks a lot in her teaching and thought. That is by remaining and dwelling in what she calls the cell of self-knowledge in order that we can know how good God is towards us. St. Catherine writes about this cell of self-knowledge and our need to enter into it in great detail. So we'll see this in more sections, but I think here it's worth just kind of introducing this concept because for Catherine, we grow in love as we grow in truth. And if we want to know who God is and know ourselves in God, we have to enter this cell of self-knowledge. So what does she mean by that? Catherine thinks that we're not going to really know ourselves by just thinking about ourselves or just by receiving from the world around us what others think of us. She believes that we have to go interiorly. This is why she emphasizes so much the need for silence and prayer. Because she says we have to enter into this space within us, within our souls, where we can hear Christ revealing to us the truth of who He is and the truth of who we are. And when St. Catherine unpacks this concept of the cell of self-knowledge, she says it's a cell, a room, a space that has not just one, but two chambers. She's very cautious here to warn us that we don't want to enter only the first or outer chamber. For St. Catherine, the outer chamber of the cell of self-knowledge is our knowledge simply of ourselves, the way we see ourselves, the way we experience ourselves in relation to the world around us. Now, Catherine warns that if we stay only in that outer cell, we can often become discouraged because the way we see ourselves reveals to us a lot of weakness, a lot of struggle. But she says that it's important to enter into a second chamber, the inner cell of self-knowledge. The place where we know ourselves, not just in ourselves, but the place where we know ourselves in Christ, where we come to see how loved we are by God, where we come to see how, with how great a love Christ redeemed us. And when we know ourselves in the love Christ has for us, we know ourselves in truth. Yes, we know that we are weak. We know that we need help. We know that we need healing. But we also know that Christ superabundantly gives us that love and grace and healing. Catherine understands that the more we grow in the knowledge of truth, the more we grow in humility, and the more our hearts expand in love. So Catherine asked Jesus to show her the beauty of a soul who is one with him. And when she sees this vision, she's just struck by how beautiful a soul who is one with Christ is. As the dialogue continues, Catherine is shown by the Father how desperate and how needy the world is. And that if the world were to be cut off from him, how sad that reality would be. 
she especially sees how painful it is, both to God and to the soul, that there are many who break themselves away from God's love in the church. Catherine becomes overwhelmed with sorrow when she sees this. And she gives us in this part of the dialogue a really powerful and beautiful witness to how we can respond when we see how many types of corruption and division there are even today in the body of Christ the church. Because when Catherine sees this, she doesn't just judge or rebuke the people in the church, but immediately she, she brings before the heart of God her own sorrow for her own sinfulness and weakness. And she sees in truth that her own failure to love is at the heart of the suffering of the body of Christ. And so she begs God to give her a share in the suffering of Christ for the sake of healing and strengthening the church. So you see this, this great love of Catherine. She doesn't just condemn the church. She doesn't just point out the faults and failings of others. She immediately and with great courage and love asks to suffer for the sake of the church so that the church can be healed. And as much as Catherine desires to offer up penance for the good of the church, the Lord points out to her the truth that there is nothing a creature can offer God that could heal what sin has done in individual souls and in the church. But the Father invites her to unite herself as one with the Son so that she can participate in the infinite goodness of God, the infinite goodness of Christ our Redeemer. He notes that what a creature can do in union with the Son is what can open her to the infinite desire in the heart of God that wants to make all of humanity one with Him. And in that way, she can experience the profound desire to be reconciled herself and to reconcile the world to Him. And it is in this union with God in love that the finite creature can experience not just the limits of her own humanity, but that infinity of divine desire to be one with his creatures. As burning as Catherine's desire is to make penance for her own sins and those of others, the Father instructs her that there is no pain that a person could endure that could make up for sin. It is not the magnitude of suffering and pain that either in Christ or in the soul is what makes it possible for us to be one with God again, but rather the infinity of love in the heart of Christ, that Christ so loves the Father and so loves all of the souls He offered Himself for, that that love can be the purifying flame that can, by taking on suffering, undo the burden of sin. So the Father teaches Catherine that being willing to do penance apart from the virtues is worthless. But when one is willing to offer up penance out of love for Christ and in union of love with Christ, then works of penance can become abundantly fruitful. Not only is charity the perfection of every virtue, but the soul also needs the virtue of humility. Humility, the Father teaches Catherine, will help a person to know the truth of her own littleness and her need and the greatness of God's love and mercy. And when a soul walks in this humble reliance on God and not on self, 
then she comes to know the depth of divine love and the power of grace to restore the soul. Here, Catherine introduces an element that underlies all of her later writing and spirituality. The father says to her, I have washed you and recreated you in the blood of my only begotten son, spilt with so great a fire of love. This blood teaches the truth to him who by self-knowledge dissipates the cloud of self-love, for in no other way can he learn. Catherine had intense devotion to the blood of Christ, and if you read her letters, she constantly begs people to bathe in the blood of Christ crucified. She had a deeply Christocentric and Eucharistic understanding of how we can be purified through the blood of Christ so that we can be made one with God and recreated in the power of that blood. The Father reveals to Catherine that she or any soul who walks in the humble love of Christ can not only win pardon for her own sins, but also the removal of the sin of others, so that her prayer becomes this powerful force of good in the church. The Father says that the more Catherine and other souls who are committed to Christ pray and intercede for those who are still in the darkness of sin, the more He will shed light upon them to awaken their consciences. And the Father tells Catherine that sometimes He'll speak and reveal in the souls of even very worldly people how unstable the world is so that they will form a desire to lift themselves above the things of this world. It's such a beautiful and tender mercy He reveals that you know when a soul feels that discontent, that restlessness, that is through the Father's own goodness, but also through the powerful intercession of those who pray constantly for the conversion of souls. When the Father is speaking to Catherine about souls who resist His grace, He uses this extraordinary image of how sometimes a soul so hardened itself against God that it's like a diamond is formed over the soul. It's that hard, it's that impenetrable. But He also reveals that the blood of Christ is poured over that, and that even if there's a very small opening in a soul, the blood of Christ can enter that hardness of heart and utterly break it open and transform it, never against the freedom of the soul, but always appealing to the freedom of the soul. And so he says to Catherine that the more she's willing to pray and offer penance for souls, the more that mercy and grace is poured out and the more likely it is those souls will open themselves to conversion. Throughout the dialogue, the Father will continue to teach Catherine the integral relationship between humility that enables one to grow in truth, truth that leads one to an ever greater love, and a love so pure and so deep that is willing to patiently endure any suffering, that it may draw as many souls to God as possible and Catherine didn't just receive that teaching, she embraced it and lived it. In the next section, the Father instructs Catherine on how essential it is to grow in virtue through our interaction with our neighbors, and how virtue is proven and strengthened through its contrary. As we go further and further into the dialogue, 
we enter into a school of virtue in which we can learn how to grow in loving union with God for the salvation of the whole world. This is the end of our second part of this study, and I hope you'll join me for our third as we enter more fully into growth in virtue. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This has been an episode of The Commentaries, a podcast brought to you by TAN. To follow the show, study more of the greatest Catholic classics, and to support the commentaries and other great free content from TAN, visit tancommentaries.com to subscribe and use coupon code COM25 to get 25% off your next order, including the dialogue and countless more spiritual works to deepen your interior life and guide you to heaven.